insurance town. I'm the mayor, Heath Sheeran, and the host of this podcast. Guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, you are here, and I am super pumped that you are. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Insurance Town. Uh, today's episode is going to be a good one. I'm pumped about it, so I want to get into it. Uh, it's my friend, uh, Micah Salas, and it's uh, a great episode. Uh, let's get into it, but first, I want to talk to you about my friends over at Agency Performance Partners. Uh, they help agencies just like you solve some of the industry's biggest challenges, uh, and some of those challenges look like uh, processes and uh, performance. You know, sometimes it looks like people. Sometimes a lot of peas there. Um, <laughs> sometimes it looks like uh, having a a system to the madness, or a, a system to uh, building your business, building your brand, building who you are uh, as an agency. And sometimes that comes in the form of an agency assessment. Where it's like a doctor's checkup, and we come in and, and take a look at, underneath the hood and look at uh, what's going on in your agency, uh, or do a physical um, to see, you know, where that where that looks like. Sometimes it looks like a, a sales course, or a retention course, or a time management course, whatever it may be. Go to agencyperformancepartners.com and check it out. Also, my friends over at Cover Desk, they uh, are your premier solution for. You know, employment. Uh, so many people are, are looking for for new people, whether it's a new producer or a new CSR or a new service member in the team or whatever it might be. Look no further than CoverDesk. I would start there and uh, have a conversation with Andy and his team. And uh, they, they're involved in the interview process. They're in the training view process. They're involved in uh, training, interviewing, all of it. Uh, and they know our space. They know our industry. They do a phenomenal job. Um, I have not heard uh, a bad word, one, about them. So uh, reach out to them at CoverDesk.com and tell them the mayor sent you. Now, today's conversation with Micah is uh, just a good conversation with a buddy of mine who's a producer and who's just a hustler, a grinder. He's involved on LinkedIn. He's involved in social media. He's involved in um community. He's involved in cold call. I mean, he's just out there doing all the things, you know, so people ask me, do I grow my book by cold calls? Do I grow it by referrals? Do I grow it by uh, social media? Whatever it may be. I say, yes, it's all three. And, and Micah does that. And he's got a, a great um, demeanor about him. He does a great job of knowing his stuff. He's educated. Um, he's just good, man. I just want you to hear this conversation. I hope that you get something out of it. As much as I did, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Micah Salas. Mr. Micah Salas? Yes, that is correct. You said it the proper way. Holy smoke. (laughs) I was, you know, I was really sweating that for a minute. I was like, am I going to say this right or not? But it is. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I still, man, people ask me my whole life, how do you say your last name? Is it Salas? Is it Salas? Is it Salas? (laughs) So, no, you, you hit it, man, perfect. So, so what is the what is the the origin on that? Where does that come from? Yeah, man. So both my my dad is 100 Mexican and my grandparents are from Mexico. Uh, so that name, I think it it or originates. It's it's popular in Mexico, but it originates back in Spain, I believe. Uh, okay. But there's salas, I think, out in the Philippines and some other kind of Mediterranean areas and stuff like that. So. Yeah. You've been in the States your whole life. Yeah. Yep. Grew up in Wisconsin, was born there, lived there for 27 years, and now I'm in the, the great state of Texas. So, yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's probably another, some other solids out there in Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's quite a few. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, uh, since we're already talking about it a little bit, let's uh, take a walk down memory lane. Let's hear a little bit more about Micah. Take you as far back as you want and bring me up to where you are today. Man, okay. Well, we'll go, we'll go back. Well, to start, you know, as a kid growing up, played all the sports, did all that stuff. But there was one thing I actually, uh, I hated sales. So um, it's kind of interesting. Um, played Pop Warner football and our, t- our town was like launching this deal. And they said, hey, you got to sell three or four Sports Illustrated subscriptions to be able to pay for your pads, right? And I couldn't, my parents couldn't afford it. We weren't really that wealthy. And anyways, I was too afraid to approach people to sell it. <laughs> So the first couple of days of Pop Warner, I literally was at home and I was, I played quarterback, you know, I was a decent athlete. And then uh, one of the coaches said, Hey man, I, I rose, I raised the funds for you so you can play now. And I was like, okay, sweet. So anyways, that's, so if they say you're born a salesman, you know, uh, I definitely was not, but uh, anyways, I went through high school, uh, went to college in Wisconsin, coming out of college, um, didn't want to sell anything. And uh, 
took a job for the federal government, hated it. And um, about two, three years out of college was working, not making great money. And someone from the insurance industry came around and said, Hey, you want to have a coffee? And I said, sure. And this was a guy that I rejected in college. We got to the final interview and I walked away and I said, Hey man, I, I just can't sell insurance, dude. And uh, <laughs> I look back at it and laugh because I was so, so scared to sell. And uh, <clears throat> anyways, talked with him, met with him. He, he said, Hey, this is what we start people paying. And it was double what I was making. And I was like, I got to do this, man. I'm, I'm broke. So anyways, told my girlfriend, said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to Minnesota for a year. I'm leaving. I got to do it. And anyways, that's how I got into the insurance industry. So it's kind of funny. Um, but that was back in 2011. And now I've been, you know, fast forward to 2022. That was in Wisconsin. I lived, you know, was up there till age 27, then moved down to Texas here. Um, it, basically about eight years ago and I've been in insurance for 11 years. So I've uh, been married uh, almost 10 years and have a daughter, 18 months old, Lucia and a little uh, mini Aussie Josie. So they keep, keep me busy and beyond that. Yeah. I just like to play golf, hang out with people, you know, hike, explore, hang out with friends. So that's me. Awesome. Yeah. That's you. That is you. All right. So, uh, going back to, you know, why do you think you've mentioned it several times? And I think we see this a lot scared to sell. What, what is it? Do you think it makes you at that place where you're quote scared to sell? What I think it was is I grew up in a small town. And uh, it was like 20,000 people. And I never liked selling to family and friends. I just, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I felt like everyone kind of knows you. And when I got to college, I, I realized, wow, I suddenly enjoyed public speaking and stuff like that. And then getting out there more, I was more comfortable with it. So I think it was just like, kind of like, like that mindset of, you know, you don't, I don't want people to perceive me as this person out there trying to manipulate them. Or you just, I think you have these preconceived notions of what salespeople are. And right? you don't want, I don't want, people to buy for me because they feel bad for me. They're like, Hey, if you want to buy only buy for me, if you feel like I can genuinely help you. And I feel like when you approach someone, I'm always like, man, I don't want to guilt. I don't want to back them into a corner with them to feel guilty for not buying either. And I think that was kind of, that's part of my like, inner conflict with, you know, selling to family, friends, uh, or people I know, you know, I've known my whole life probably, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but if I had to guess, it's probably what it comes down to. Yeah. It's funny to me that you say that. And I agree with you on that. I have a, I have a hard time with that. I've been in, you know, sales and you know, insurance for 20 years or so in different you know areas. And I've never once sold my mom or dad a policy, you know, my brother, you know, any of my best friends, any of my, you know, people like I just, I never have because I've always felt like the same way you do, but yet that's the first thing people say is write down all you write down 200 of your closest contacts and family and friends and take care of whatever that, you know, approach might be. And I think it's funny. I'm the same way you are, but and I wonder why that is. I guess they want you to feel comfortable selling to somebody like that. But again, I always felt even my first sales job is like, why would I want to sell, especially in insurance? Why would I want to sell somebody something? I don't even know if I'm going to be in it for very long, you know, you know, <laughs> or like those yeah. people kind of for Aflac and they're there for like a month and they leave because Aflac runs through people or, you know, some of those, you know, life insurance companies, I should just pick on one, but they run through people pretty quickly. And so it's like, if you're not going to make it or feel like you're going to make it, why sell to your closest friends and family? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. Cause then you got to kind of live with that afterwards. And I think we've all gotten calls from from buddies in college. I bought a Northwestern mutual life, not to name names, but a life policy from a buddy who's you know, working somewhere and left leaves a year later, never see him. I still have the policy. It's like an old, you know, old 20 year term or something, but um, it is interesting. I think it comes down to, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know is such a, is such a, yeah. Yeah. A baseline in this industry for what people think, Um, which I kind of disagree with that statement a little bit, but you know, I think, um, and it's probably one of the reasons I got into commercial insurance, right? I don't have to go call family, friends, you know, cause you, that, that will run out pretty quickly, <laughs> you know, in the, yeah. if you're selling the mid market commercial businesses, uh, you, most people don't just have a Rolodex full of those people in their family in a circle. So yeah. Do you start off in commercial? Yeah. So the company I was before was a direct writer. We did everything. We did uh, commercial health and then uh life disability. So yeah. Uh, yeah, part of my role was selling life. And I actually, I always said this, man, I didn't like having to sell life insurance, but I liked being able to sell it. I like being able to sell it, right? I'm, I'm licensed yeah. in it now. I can still sell it. And I do bring it up to people. I say, Hey, you should look at this, but it's in a very, like, for me, it feels very comfortable because I'm not, I, I don't have some ulterior motive. It's just like, Hey man, probably should get a, some type of policy for that. Or, you know, people will approach me sometimes and I'll just kind of talk them through things, but it doesn't, to me, I like being able to help people if it makes sense. So yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I, 
And I think that's the way almost you probably sell more having that mindset of, you know, whatever. Like it's not like a desperation sale. It's more of a, I don't know, a comfortable, I don't know if it's even comfortable sale for you, but it's just, it's not a pressure sale. Yeah. It's like, I don't need this, you know, but Hey, do you want my help? <laughs> right. Holler yeah, at me. Exactly. yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that works that way. So um, what, what navigated you? What, what made you feel most comfortable doing commercial insurance? Like why, why did you navigate more towards that way or gravitate more towards that? I think, a, I think a couple of reasons. One is, um, at the time I started selling insurance, I was 26 or something like that. You know, I had no experience and you're selling against guys who are like yourself right now, right? Like a little yeah. gray in the beard, good friends oh, yeah. you know, in their upper thirties, forties, fifties. How do you, how do you break down that barrier? And I think knowledge was, is, is the way to do that. Right. Yeah, um, 100%. And if you can, you can go there and kind of pick someone's policy apart with, or, or just kind of start having conversations and people are like, wow, my agent who's 50 years old has never talked about this stuff, or they didn't even know about that exclusion, you know, boom, that barrier is gone and you can start closing some deals. So that was cool. And then also, I don't know if I ever went back to school, like I, would, I would want to be a lawyer, right? I just kind of have some interest. I think it's kind of interesting. I'm not a pop. I guess you can say I'm a policy nerd a little bit. I think it's kind of interesting to read the language and kind of how different things are interpreted. So I kind of like, I like that aspect. Um, and then, you know, the last thing I would say is it's just, I just, where I kind of found my success. And, uh, when I started, when I moved down to Texas, actually, that they asked me, the agency I was going to said, Hey, do you want to sell health or, or business? And I said, man, I don't want to sell health at all. Uh, when I was selling it in Wisconsin, I, we, we actually stopped selling health insurance that company the year I left because we were, our rates were so crazy and we just were getting out of it. So I just didn't have a lot of success in it. And, uh, you know, I was quoting like crazy and just couldn't, couldn't write deals. So that was probably it. Just kind of some instant success kind of helped feel some confidence combined yeah, with some knowledge. That, you know, I tell people all the time when I'm working with agencies and, and producers, it takes a good two to three years to really get your feet underneath you and really get to running. And um, a lot of people, that are, you know, get into commercial production or any kind of production for that matter, they they don't have the patience to get to that. And so a lot of them fizzle, as you've probably seen or heard of, you know, they fizzle out, whether it's life insurance, commercial, personal, whatever, any kind of sales for that matter. It takes a good two to three years, especially in the insurance business. But with you saying you had some pretty quick success in commercial, what do you think that is? First of all, back me up on that. And then second of all, <laughs> um, what helped you, you know, what do you feel like helped you to to overcome that quickly? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So when I first got into insurance at 26, I started with a direct writer, right? So it was a little different model, but um, yeah, I never had a problem selling uh, PNC insurance policies, right? Or like getting new accounts on that angle. We had to, we had to hit multiple metrics, but PNC was the one area. I was like, man, I'm, I'm always hitting these numbers. And um, I think it was just the models are different because I spent one whole year basically in a, at the company headquarters <laughs> learning, you know, nine to or seven to five, seven thirty to four, whatever the hours were like, it was like going to school full-time, like high school um, and reading policy language, learning how it applies in, in conversation kind of integrating it into certain industries. So like not just knowing it, but it'd be able to kind of talk about it in a, in a human way. And then sitting with underwriters, spending some time. With, so I kind of did all that. When you get out, I felt like, wow, I got some confidence, but you still realize there's a lot you don't know. You know, you think you know a lot and you're like, holy cow, I don't know. So, I, you know, I would say kind of just taking that time to build my confidence up through knowledge. And not everyone has that, uh, le uh, basically not everyone's that fortunate to have a year to kind of learn it. I was forced. That's, that's That was their model. They say, hey, we want you to go down this path when we hire you. And I said, okay, that's what I'll do, I guess. So, so that, that really helped a lot. Um, yeah. So, um, good training and whatnot. And so did you, the cat, and we won't talk about the, the exclusive or the captive agency or company you're with, but do you feel like they instilled in you some, uh, sales, I guess you could say procedures, processes, things that you use today or yeah. help you at least build the, the baseline for some of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I should have mentioned that. Yeah. So of course the knowledge is there. Then, then part of that training program was also, you know, here's how you run a, you know, here's kind of how your timeline should work. Here's how you build a pipeline. Here's what you should do every single day. Here's what you should do on Mondays. Here's, you know, so here's how you organize yourself. A lot of it was organizational stuff, um, you know, just, just to be successful, to set yourself up for success and lay that foundation. And I still, yeah, I still use that a lot. I was talking with a group, uh, uh, an agency a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine had me on with some of his, his uh, agents. And, uh, you know, I got to the agency side, it was still the same thing for me. The business plan I was running at that company when I started is a little different than what I ran at the agency side, but it was still, okay, what do I want to accomplish? How many people do I need to talk to a week to get 
X amount of meetings to have, you know, have some success. And so just kind of running with that um, and found those, those metrics and just giving yourself something to, when you set a goal, like, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to have 10 conversations a week. Okay. Well now, you know, how do I, how do I get there? And you kind of work backwards to get there. And uh, I think that's important to kind of have that, especially when you're starting as you grow a book, you might, it might change because you got clients to manage renewals and stuff like that. Um, but starting off, I think it's really important to be, to be disciplined, have structure. Um, you know, I'm never a fan of micromanaging at all, but I always said, if I ever owned an agency, I would not micromanage, but I would, <laughs> I would hold my newer agents accountable to some type of metrics, not, not from actual production, more just activity. And I know people hate that. And I, I hate it now because I've been doing this for eight years, but if I was hired with someone with no experience or just fresh, you know, into the role and I'm, I'm kind of footing the bill, I would definitely have some, some type of roadmap but, for them to run yeah. on. You know. You're right on. I think that's yeah. huge. When I when I talk to producers, it's it is that accountability piece and it is that piece of activity. I tell people all the time, don't focus on the numbers as much as you do the activity. You know, and if you're not getting out, and as you mentioned earlier, how many calls is it gonna make or am I gonna have to make to get this many X dates? How many calls am I gonna have to make? How many drop-ins? How many referral calls? How many leads things? What am I going to have to do? How many networking events this month? Whatever it might be, what's it going to take? So I tell you, it's more about activity in the beginning, especially the first 90 days, at least when you first start with a new producer. Let's get out there and let's, you know, get some things going. Yeah, no doubt. Because as you've mentioned a couple of times and alluded to, it takes, shoot, your first year, you might not sell anything for the whole, if you're going, I mean, if you're selling really small stuff, probably will. But if you're trying to do true mid-market or a little bit bigger accounts, you might go eight, nine, 10 months, full year, but hopefully you should start to be building a list of really warm leads or people you've talked to. Now you kind of got some, got some momentum being built. You should feel that, right? So going into year two, you should be like, wow, I really feel like this is the year where I'm going to break out or, you know, middle of year two or somewhere in that range, it's just really start to hit. Um, and it could, you know, it could be later year one, middle year two, somewhere in there. And then maybe you really hit your stride year three, but, but you should definitely be hitting some milestones along the way and, and your confidence should be growing. Uh, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. And so with that being said, like one of the things that, you know, I've noticed in like looking at you on LinkedIn or Facebook or just you and I talking on the phone different times, you're, you're pretty focused and dialed in on your, what I'd call your value add or your, you know, what you can bring to the table from, you know, a consultant or a agent or producer standpoint. Uh, Is that another thing that helps you with your success? And what do you say about like, when you're talking to an agency owner, I mean, not agency owner, but a uh, an owner of a business, a business owner, whether it's a potential client or it's a, re- a client you've got, you feel pretty confident in what your value add is. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, so what I, one thing I've learned, I think is my opinion, the agent's name is more important than the agency's name. And uh, what does that mean? It means yeah, bringing donuts, all that stuff's great, but I, I've just found my strong suit is, you know, knowledge uh, on some of this stuff. And um, that's, that's really how I differentiate myself. And that's, so I feel like I do bring that value to a client, um, you know, and, and more than just insurance knowledge, right? Like here's how a policy right. reads. It's, it's also the knowledge of what's going on in the market. You know, what are your peers doing? What are people doing from a risk control standpoint? Not saying I'm an expert in OSHA or an expert in, you know, safety necessarily, but I, I know enough to basically, because I've had enough conversation with those people to bring some of that value also to business owners and also tell them, Hey man, this is what your peers are doing. Like, so also you're, yeah. you're a sounding board for them. So if I know someone meets with me, like they're, let's say they're a dirt contractor, I can sit there and feel like, okay, did you know that it's, it's you know, tough and guys, does you have that pressure or doing this one? And it's not easy either. You know, stuff you know, to like get, that, to get yeah. um, I think is, is huge, but I've just, the confidence starts to grow, right? You start to have some success. I've done a lot of due diligence. That's my whole that's this, the, the theme of the way I kind of bring in new accounts and, and be consultative. That's how I try to keep them as well. But uh, when you've done that enough times and you've found some issues and help people, then you kind of know like, hey, I have a lot of belief in what I'm doing can really help some people, you know, uh, a lot of people. Um, and and that's, I think, my differentiator, I would say, you know. Um, yeah. So uh, you posted something today, actually, I think about, you know, uh, changing service providers and looking at certain <laughs> things before you do. I can't remember. I think, well, I think it was this morning. I don't know when this will air, but um, you know, some of that material that you post, obviously it's geared towards business owners, but is it niche driven or is it just for any small business owner, any, you know, size business owner? I would say it, it could be for really any size business owner. I mean, okay. uh, there might be some things that more, 
more likely apply to a very large company or a very small company if I'm trying to give different tips here and there. But right. generally speaking, it's, it's always with a business owner's mind. In, in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, if my brother-in-law was owned a business, what would I say to this guy <laughs> if he if he asked me here? Or here's something I see a lot of people complain about. So I'm going to just make a quick tip on that. And um, I have kind of found, I, I don't get into the weeds too much on social media with policy language, just because I don't think it, that resonates with who I'm trying to have it resonate with, which is the guy who owns a construction company, right? Um, so, but in terms of niche, I mean, I try to speak, in, some of my stuff is more general and then some could go down to, you know, really helping a contractor avoid theft on their equipment or whatever the case may be. And some stuff might be geared towards a manufacturer or a restaurant. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think overall, if you're a business owner, you should get some type of valuable information from hopefully what I'm sharing. That's my goal, at least. Yeah. So I know, like I said, you, you know, you share stuff on LinkedIn quite a bit. Do you, you know, join in certain LinkedIn groups or target that information at certain areas or you post it out there and happens, or you intentionally go out and, and connect with business owners and do you use LinkedIn as a sales platform is more of like a, an awareness, like. Um, you know, to kind of get your name out there kind of thing. Yeah, I would say uh, primarily awareness marketing tool. Um, I, I still am a believer that eventually more and more business owners are going to maybe vet out agents or just any service they buy. People, Those people on LinkedIn, right? I think uh, younger people coming up, I've seen it already, especially in, even in the construction business, a lot of owners of construction companies are out there putting put pictures of their job site or their equipment or their employees and it's just an easy way to engage. I mean, you you comment on their stuff. No one else is really commenting. You know, um, you share it. Liking it's fine, but I mean, take the moment to comment and then shoot them with just a message, not even salesy. Just like, hey, man, keep up the great work. Love what you're doing in the community. Um, and then my thing is, it's just a slow. It's a it's a long game on that stuff. I'm not I'm not selling enough to uh, sit back and play golf every day because of my LinkedIn posts. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, but, I mean, yeah. that brings a good point, though. At you know, uh, you do though have uh, a, a good sized book, and you, you you know you've been at this long, but yet you do get to get out and do those kind of things now. However, you know, playing golf and whatnot. But however, you still you know, every time I talk to you, it's you know, me making some calls this afternoon, or I've got this activity or that activity going on. And a lot of agencies that have producers have been around eight to ten years with an established book. They're sitting at their desk with their feet kicked up, not doing anything. And so to hear you, you like the grind. It sounds like you like, you know, the sales aspect. You're a hunter. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. There's something about it, man. It just keeps it exciting. Like it's boring to me. Uh, it's, it's one of those things like people, like I never wanted to go into a business where I had to wait for people to come into my, my doors, right? Like I always, I'll go like, let's just say I need flooring in my house. I go to the tile shop. I'm like, this would suck. You know, to sit here, you open your doors. You got to hope people come to you. (laughs) I'm sure there's more to it than that. You get out in the community and stuff, but I want to have a direct impact, which is why I like sales. I can pick up the phone and be like, you know, Hey Heath, let's talk. I think I can help you out. Here's why. Can you give me 10 minutes? You know, something like that. But, um, so maybe it's just my impatience. I don't know, man, what it is, but I uh, definitely a hunter. And I I don't know if you do this, but I had left. So I had about a $1.2 million book at Marsh McLennan. And I left, uh, last, uh, base almost a year, not quite, um, and, and that was a big decision. It was not easy. I was not unhappy or anything like that, but um, there were some different factors that played in there. And one of the reasons that gave me the, the confidence to do it was that I like like hunting, right? So I was like, hey, I've done it once. I can do it again. Uh, I know there's going to be some pains, headaches, I'm making yeah. some sacrifices in the short term, but I think long-term will pay off. So well, the story is, yeah, you, you, whether I'd have stayed there or left, you should always be hunting, I think, because you can lose, man, you can lose accounts pretty easily, right? And, um, things are changing. The economy changes. People go out of business. I'm just a big believer in always kind of uh, being out there, being active. Um, and that's what's fun to me. Yeah. So you had to start over after you built that you know, good revenue book and now um, having to do it over again. Uh, did you do anything differently or did you go after any different classes of business or what did that look like for you starting over? Yeah. So... Um, you know, I so I've been in construction primarily the whole time, yeah. right? So I've kind of stuck in construction just where I'm comfortable. I'll do some other things here yeah. and there. And I know I know yeah. general business, but I think the one thing I was trying to do or try to do differently is be a little bit more selective with the type of clients that I want and, and maybe be willing to walk away from stuff, you know, a little easier, not not to yeah. just go just to know when to let go, right? It's it, the first time you're out there, you're like you're calling everybody and you're trying to uh, you take a meeting with everyone. This time around, I'm not even, you know, having I'm, my goal is let's have a conversation, whether it be on the phone first, even just five, 10 minutes, and let's see if it makes sense to even meet, 
right? And then if it makes sense to me, yeah. well, then let's even let's just not do due diligence or review your program. Let's see if that even makes sense. So it's kind of being a little bit more uh, selective with with the opportunities I'm investing my time in, which it's not easy when you're building back because you still also feel that pressure of like, hey, you know, I got to write some stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's... Uh, but then you can get your time so bogged down. Like I've even made a couple of sacrifices this year where then I, my time gets so bogged down on something. I'm like, man, I knew I should have walked away from that, you know, but. We are at a mid roll ad, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, sorry to interrupt this fantastic episode, but I want to talk to you about my uh, good friends over at Canopy Connect, your one-click solution to getting all those deck pages you need to quote your prospect. If uh, if you're looking for a great solution for your referral partners or for your producers out there, account managers, people working with your prospects to get that information, the deck pages to complete that quote, to complete that transaction, go to Canopy Connect. Go to usecanopy.com backslash Heath and check this out. Uh, they are your one-click solution to get the deck pages you need to quote your prospect. Go to Canopy Connect. Usecanopy.com. Also, my good friends over at Smart Choice, your, uh, your, your awesome solution, your partner, your friend in the business is going to help you. Whether you're a startup looking for markets or you've been around the block, you've been around the agency world, but you need another market. You need a friend. You need a help. You need someone to come alongside you and help you with market access or advice or things like that. Go to smartchoiceagents.com. They come in with no fees. They come in uh, not wanting to own part of your business. They just want to provide you market access and they work off a commission split. That's only the carriers they provide to you. So uh, what's, what's the harm here? No harm, no foul. It's a great opportunity for you. Go to smartchoiceagents.com. And check it out. Tell them the mayor sent you. You'll be so glad that you did. Now, let's get back to the show. Opportunity. You think, okay, this makes sense, man. I want to work on this deal. The revenue's decent. And uh, you just got to really be disciplined and stick into your deal and kind of just have that intuition. Like, okay, now this opportunity makes sense to steer from my course a little bit because this, this, and this, you know? Right. Um, yeah. You know, I had a, a quick story. I had a, I usually work on, on BO. I try to work on BOR only, right? To get hired. Now yeah. there's a couple of times I'll make exceptions. Well, this one met with a guy, a uh, really cool guy, great company presented to BOR. He just couldn't fire his person. And it was like, everything was there. And uh, he said, let me get back to you. He calls, he said, Hey, can you come back? Come back to his office. Hey, we'd like to invite you to quote. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's not what I was hoping for. And uh, I had to make a decision right there on the spot. But I said, Hey man, I said, well, before, before I agree, can you tell me I can have this, this, and this market? You know, these are the markets I want, and I'm going to be the only other agent. You know, and he agreed to that, and then I went down the path, quoted, and won the deal, right? But I, because I had to done the due diligence, it set me up for it. Now that wasn't my plan. I wanted to get hired, but I, I had to make the, you know, it's twenty thousand in revenue or something like that, and I had to make the decision on the spot, and I knew I had enough confidence to to do that. And so I think that's the other thing is you got to kind of be a little bit of a chameleon, and each situation is a little unique. So don't be so rigid. Like this is all I'm, this is the only way I'm operating. You know, and uh, yeah, so but that due diligence is huge to be able to know which markets to even ask for, to yeah. know the marketplace, to know who's competitive where. Because what if you had to pick the wrong market, you know, or whatever, exactly. or you know, people even know to ask that. A lot of people will say, you know, I can't ask for the BOR because of this, or they're scared to ask because of that. And so, you know, I try to talk to people a lot about it, and you know, they kind of get a lot of people have. It's funny how people have their certain opinions about BORs, like yep. either on this side of the fence or you're on that side of the fence about it. Yeah. No, I, I'm 100% all in, big believer in BOR. Uh, yeah. The only time I think it makes sense to quote with other agents is if, if they have a market your guy doesn't have. But I, So my mindset used to be BOR only, but now I'm trying to, trying to grow my book back. And uh, I think it, it's good to be open-minded about it. Um, but I think as an agent, there's no reason to be afraid to ask for it. I mean, it's However, I'm not a fan. <laughs> the only thing I would say is I'm not a fan of just coming out and asking for it at the first meeting, unless the guy is, hey, even if he hates his agent, I don't do it. I'm like, hey, man, let, we could talk through some things. Let me just see if I can do something better for you. Let's do some due diligence first. Come back. Okay, great. Because I don't know. I just, I, I feel like at the first meeting, you don't even know what you're, you're getting yourself into either. Like, what if this guy hates his agent? You get his policies and he's paying five grand a year or something. You know what I'm saying? You just, there's just things that you just don't know. And uh, I think waiting a couple of weeks to get asked for the BOR is totally, it's just what I prefer. Um, yeah. No, that makes sense. No. Is it? Is it kind of like making it their idea? Making a what? 
make it their idea. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I definitely bring it up, but one thing I've, when I bring it up, I say, Hey, what a lot of other business owners are doing are, you know, because they hate quoting the process stinks. It ends up being a lot of wasted time, people fighting over markets. Can you relate to that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that sucks. I'm like, well, so what, what a lot of other people have gone to is more of a due diligence interview style approach. Um, just like you would with a real estate agent, right? Or a sports agent. They, they, they interview, talk with people and then hire based on their expertise and say, okay, this person is going to represent me going forward in the market. I'm going to sign over my current policies so they can handle the renewal. And then if we stay put, maybe that's the best or they're going to shop our account. But I said, that's what a lot of other people are doing. And here's how they make that decision. It's through due diligence. And that's kind of how I get a chance to know you. And I go down that path with them. Man, that was a good little script. If y'all are listening, go ahead and rewind 30 seconds and write that down. I thought that was really good a way to approach the BOR. Cause I'd be like, I don't even know how to approach it. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even say this, but before that, my generally, my first question is, do you know how the insurance game works or do you know how insurance is distributed, you know, sure. on the back end? And usually they're like, ah, I think I do tell me though. And I'm like, okay, well, here's what happens. And then just share high level. Here's how it works. Underwriters release their quote to one agent. And then once they understand that, then, then they can kind of come to that point of realizing, okay, there, yeah, this way is kind of broken. Maybe, maybe we can try a different way, you know? Yeah. So, but again, from meeting them and a week or two into the conversation, having them to build that trust with you to get them to sign a BOR when you've just gotten to know them, I mean, that's another ball game altogether. <laughs> well, and that's why I like the due diligence because it gives you the chance to, what I tell people is, Hey man, this gives you a chance to know how I operate and how, how it would look like to work with me. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And they truly you know, just the communication you have in that one or two week process or three week process in between can really make a difference, right? And hey, he's responsive or he asked some good questions, you know, some research, you know, some questions about my business that I hadn't thought about, things like that. Yeah. Now, do you come at it from the approach you mentioned? You know, I think we were off air at this point, maybe, but um, do you do anything when it comes to like, especially with contractors, maybe like OSHA or safety training or employee handbooks or anything like that? Do you do anything of those kind of things outside of insurance? Yeah. I mean, no, I definitely like I offer, you mean kind of steer people towards those services or resources? Or like, do you or, offer those yourself or as part of the working with Micah or working with the Christian? Yeah. Leader? you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hey, we have a risk consultant. He can help with a, with a handbook. He can help with a policy on this. I, you know, and I'll ask yeah. those questions when I'm trying to get the business and be like, Hey, here's some things I found in sort of do the due diligence. There's a couple of components. One, it's what's your cost. How does it compare, you know, to the market, just benchmark and people are obviously interested in that, but then it's how do your policies, your coverage look. But then the third part is what's your best practices. What's your kind of risk profile look like? And I want to ask questions about your operations. So then, then when I come back, I'm kind of sharing, Hey, here's what I, here's what your costs look like. Here's what your coverage kind of looks like. And then here's what your risk profile looks like. Here's some different strategies and ideas that I think could help improve that situation. You know, so it's the due diligence. It's all about them. It's not me coming back with a one little page on them and then a whole, <laughs> you know, all these bells and whistles on my, me and my agency and how we can help, help them. It's, it's more, Hey, here's some real information I think can help you is what I try to keep it focused on. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it totally makes sense. And that way you can also share, you know, without saying names, hey, you know, best practices company or like, other people like you, other businesses that look like you operate this way or don't operate the way you do. Kudos to you on that or whatever it might be. Absolutely. No, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I think that goes a long way as well, especially in the building that trust of, oh, he knows our industry or he knows what he's talking about, or he knows construction. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, if you're listening as well, I think that's another good thing as well to be thinking about and knowing your competition, knowing their competition even. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause well, again, hopefully if you're out there in the market and you've talked to a couple water well drillers or whatever it might be, or just, you know, yeah. construction, you don't have to admit that micro niche if you don't want to, but just somewhere in that premises. Well, I get what's it. Going yeah. On. Yeah. yeah. But, but then you, then you can view yourself as, Hey, I'm a resource for, for any business owner that wants to meet with me because I kind of know some stuff that, you know, I can share some, some Intel with them, if you will. Yeah, sure. So I, I found that talking to some of the guys that like to go after the whale hunting or the, the bigger accounts, in, you know, even mid market accounts, whatever you you've talked about, they either, I, this is my, my observation. You tell me if I'm right or wrong and where you fit into this. You either, you either got the guys that like the big accounts because they got hair on them and they have a high mod and they want to come in and be the hero and save the day and write the big accounts because they're shopping and they know they have trouble or the ones that want the vanilla, super clean, you know, accounts like that. Am I right? And that's usually kind of, you know, where they're at. there's no really a middle ground or am I wrong in that? Man, personally, I think, uh, I, I don't know. There's been some 
smaller accounts that are really clean and easy, like the, like probably what those guys would say. Um, and if yeah. you can just keep them happy, they're never going to leave you kind of thing. But then you got not every big, the thing that I would say that maybe is a little, I would differ from you on is the big accounts. Don't, they could be just as easy as a small accounts from a service. No, you're exactly right. I'm just saying like yeah. a lot of people like to go after large accounts because they have hair on them and because yeah. they feel like they can come in and say the day there's still a large accounts that are vanilla and have a great loss control department and whatever. But I yeah. feel like you're in one camp or the other is what I hear or when I've interviewed people and maybe I'm just interviewing very extreme personality. No, no. I mean, yeah. So you're, you're basically saying some people like the, basically the complexities or, or the challenges, like they're having yeah. issues yeah, yeah. with, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think absolutely it's if they're having challenges, issues, and you can come and bring something different than their current guy's doing, it can it can speed up the process. But I would say I've written uh, quite a few decent size accounts that um, weren't having any issues. They love their eight, right? Yeah. And then through the due diligence, you actually, you kind of create hair on it. They didn't know there okay, was hair on their okay, account, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, shoot, we got a lot of hair on our on our account, right? I didn't even yeah. know this. And you just brought it to light. Uh, I'm firing my agent of 20 years now because of the stuff you brought to light. So that's kind of, yeah. And those, but those clients are awesome because you know, they're super good clients. Like it's not easy for them to make that decision, right? They've been with their agent for 20 years. And and that's, that's the kind of person you want is someone who trusts you. They challenge you, but they still trust you at the end of the day. Um, You know? So no, that's pretty solid right there. I, I would uh, I would agree with that. And so uh, no, I just you know it's just interesting to to hear different people's you know a lot of people what I talk to that say they go after a larger account. It's usually you know they lead with the work comp if they've got like a one point two or a, even a one oh mod they're like you know there's some hair there's some things i can come in there and help them with and through like we said safety or employee manuals or osha trainings or whatever else and so they lead with that and so um i just didn't know where your approach was on that do you like the hairy accounts or do you more you know just whatever makes sense to you yeah yeah i mean i i, I guess i'm not i'm not greedy i like them all right or i'm yeah, not uh, picky i like them all um it, yeah so i i guess that's my answer i guess I, it just it just depends on what I find, what I uncover. Um, I don't, but I don't specifically target based on the hair, you know, like, yeah. and I know that is some people's strategy and that that works really well for a lot of people. Cause you know, they already have a pain point. Um, sure. So uh, yeah. So what is your, your prospecting strategy? Do you have like a well that you go to, or do you have, you know, a list that you, and how did you get to that list? What was that? You know, we talked about it in the very beginning and, they, that captive or the exclusive agency you were started with, they had they had to, you know, learn how to build a pipeline. What was your strategy in building that pipeline, and what is it to this day still? Yeah, so it's I think you know it starts off with uh, for me kind of industry and size, right? Are the two things. I'm like, okay, is this an industry I, I know we have we have markets for? I I know the marketplace well. I know there's their space well. And then also, is it, is it going to be worth the time investment, right? From a, a commission, right? Premium standpoint. Um, then after those two boxes are checked, you know, generally speaking, uh, geography comes into play a little bit. Do I want to get on a plane all the time? Or, you know, what are my odds of closing a business five hours away versus, you know, 50 minutes away or, you know, within an hour radius or two, three hour radius. So those are the, that's kind of the, the groundwork. And then, you know, I, I've never, so when I first came out, they said, Hey, create a list of your top 70 or, like 75 and then your top 10. I honestly, to this, since I've been on the agency side, I have not done that. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I haven't done it. I just, I kind of always, my list just never stops, right? Because every year just keeps rolling. And I'm just always trying to make, you know, 40 to 50 calls a day, roughly 200 calls a week and um, find people within that list in my, in those, you know, in construction or generally or manufacturing the size I want. And um hopefully trying to catch them, you know, four to four to six months prior to their expiration date, but I'll meet with them whenever, um, you know, if I catch them just after they renew and they want to meet great, we'll meet, you know, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I build out the list. Yeah. And so uh, how many calls you say you do a week or try to, I try to do about 40 a day, you know? Um, yeah. so not overkill it. Um, there's some technology I've invested in, uh, something called phone burner. You, you can upload a list. Yeah. It'll make, it's just like, everything's on, you're like on speed, man, you know? So yeah. it really keeps you on track. So like it, it takes, I, I've done, typically I'll average about 40 calls an hour on there because I actually don't go to the fastest level. I do take time to kind of take notes and kind of look up something before I call, but still even that, you know, 40 calls an hour is a lot. So, um, so that's been, 
And then I've also been researching something called uh, basically like there's some auto dialers, kind of uh, parallel assisted dialers where they can get you about 10 to 12 conversations an hour. So there's some stuff like that I'm researching, haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm a believer in it's, it's old school, but I'm kind of, I still follow the numbers game deal. Oh yeah. And it, it you know, yeah, it tends to work out, um, you know, and then you have your people you've talked to over the years that you, you missed on. And you, those of course stay in front of you ever, all the time. You that 20, 30, 40, like, Hey, these guys we've talked to, we've met with, you know, they kind of know me. We've played golf once. Like, of course you have those people that are always kind of, you're hoping to, to bring on. And those tend to be bigger accounts generally, right. You're working the relationship and how waiting many, for the right time. How many years will you call on an account before you either hang it up or skip a year or two? Or do you have accounts you've called on for eight years since you've been, you know, in Texas? Yeah, no, I've had, I have accounts I've called on for eight years. Yeah, uh, good for you. Yeah. Generally, I, but I sort of space it out. I'm not wasting, I'm not calling them weekly. You know, it's like, okay. Well, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. But no, I mean, and even the people are like, hey, we'll never talk with another agent. Then I might put them off for a year or something. But it's like, hey, I know man, people, people move, retire, pass away, you know, stuff, stuff happens and uh, got to stay in touch. So, yeah, I love when, you know, I'd get the objection of, you know, I've been with the same, the same agency, you know, or the same producer for, you know, 40 years. I'm like, that guy's got to be retiring soon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only one I take off is like, when like, Hey, my agent's my wife or my husband's yeah. my agent. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, all right, I'm not going to waste my time. But, um, yeah. but yeah, no, I've, I've, I've let go a lot quicker too, though. Like I kind of, I try to, I think the more you're in it, you're like, okay, this is a waste of time. This one's, and like, you kind of just know like, okay, I'll put them on it. That's the great thing about a CRM, right? It's just you put, you put up, okay, this thing I'll call back in 10 months, boom, put it. And all of a sudden 10 months later, it pops up. Okay. You make the call and you have your notes, but uh, yeah. So you kind of got to learn who to pursue and then who to just back away from. So you feel like you have a pretty solid qualification process or like vetting process for, for clients, or is it just kind of by feel, or do you have like an actual process that you're looking for? Yeah, no, I mean, um, I mean, my process is like, you know, you're saying like after I talk to them, essentially. Yeah. Like when you're trying to qualify to say, this is one that Micah should go after, or is this one I should step back from? Cause it's not a good fit for me. Is that something that's, you know, so you have certain red flags that you notice or certain, you know, green flags that better to say, go forward. Yeah. So one red flag is, Hey, we quote our insurance every single year, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. So then I'm pretty, <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, and they'll still get probably five, 10 agents every year that will participate. Right. It's oh, yeah, like, cause they think I'm yeah. going to be the one that's yep. like, the next 10. I'm like, no, you're not like, <laughs> every year. Yeah. Now I will, again, I'll have a conversation with that guy and be like, Hey, have you ever kind of share a different approach with you and then share it and see what they say. And, but generally speaking, they're not, they're not changing their mind. Um, right. So that's a red flag. You know, also the brother-in-law, best friend, blah, blah, blah. Like anything in that category, I just back away from. Um, but yeah, no, like you said, I kind of like that people who've had those. I find like the sweet spot is like, you find someone that's got like a, you know, four year, like four to 10 years, somewhere in that range, you know, maybe some complacency is set in or uh, they haven't really done any due diligence in a while and, you know, could be kind of ripe for the taking. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, okay. So let me ask you a couple of things as we're, as we wrap up a little bit, if, um, if I've got, you know, as you know, you know, my podcast is driven towards producers, agency owners, you know, people in the industry where most of your content's going out towards the general public. And I get that it's more, which is smart move, um, to bring in customers for you. But if you were talking to, let's start off with a, a younger producer, you know, somebody not young in age, but young in the business. Now, what's some advice you would give them? to help them to, you know, kind of catapult to success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one is celebrate the small victories. Uh, this, you know, this profession can be ex- extremely challenging. You can go months without selling something and still have an excellent year. <laughs> you know, if you hit the right revenue figures, you can have yeah. one, one deal a year that's hits your whole year right, and surpasses it. So anyway, celebrate the small victories, um, be disciplined, you know, every single day, you know, you've, make those calls, do what you got to do from an activity standpoint, and just start to, that kind of goes together with the celebrate the small victory. You start doing those dials, keep track of those conversations you're having, you know, keep sure. a running list of, Oh, it talked to man, 10 people this week and five said to follow up next month. I know some salespeople make, Oh, that's, you can't put your, your hope in that. I'm like, yeah, maybe not, but get excited about that. You know, like now I'm building a little bit of a pipeline. I'm yeah. building a warm, a warm list up is what I call you cold calling to make warm calls later. And uh, you know, I think of those two things, 
will will really help you as a young producer uh, a lot. And then if you ha- don't have a knowledge base, try to find some time, carve out time to really try to understand insurance. I'm not saying you got to be like a you know a genius, but try to keep learning as much as you can. It will really help set you apart when you start to get into some opportunities. Uh, you, know, you can get meetings without knowing a lot, but once you start to get in there, you want to be feeling confident. You want to be feeling like you could, you know, go in there and have a good conversation with someone and and really truly be a and help them, right? Like the more you know, the better you're going to be as an agent. Sure. So yeah, th- there's a bunch of things I could say, but I think those three would probably be the most helpful. Well, that's solid. Uh, what about those that have been in it for, I don't know, 10, 12 years that, you know, have, have got an established book, um, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe they're looking to continue growing and, uh, or maybe they're not, but you know, once you get to that place where you're almost at the verge of kicking your feet up and you don't have to work anymore, but you're not, is there any advice you would give them? Oh man, it's tough to give those. I mean, I was in those shoes before I started over. So it's tough because everyone has different goals, right? I mean, some, some people get into insurance because that's what they, they want is to, to be at that point. And if that's you, great. I would say really, then if that's you hone in on your current relationships, you know, and uh, how can you become a better, serve your clients better? How can you become a better professional, yeah. you know, uh, and, and do that uh, piece? Because I think that's what complacency starts to set in. Maybe you're kicking up, enjoying it. It finally got to that point you want to, but then you start to lose clients and then you're rushing to get back out yeah. there. So, so I would say, hey, push harder into your client relationships. Do more than you did when you were younger, you know, if you, if you hit that point. But then also don't completely stop prospecting. You know, I would you know, whether it's networking events. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, if you, if you built it by cold calling, stay fresh on it, you know, maybe it's not 40 calls a day, maybe it's just 10, you know, but that's fine. You can be more selective, but you know, so that's, that's what I would say. And if you're at 10, 12 years and you're not to the numbers you want to get to, you know, then it probably comes down to you're writing smaller accounts. I would think at that point, and you just, you're, you're stuck. So then I'm not the first person to talk about this, but you know, look at your book. You got to, Maybe maybe get rid of some trim some fat, get rid of some things, and then and really make a concerted effort to go after the the size the accounts you want. And if you're not, just ask yourself, look internally and be like, why is there something in me that I don't have the confidence for some reason, right? That I'm not calling those big guys, or why am I not getting my foot in the door? Is it you know, is there something deeper in me that I can look at, you know, and it, you know, not that, not that I'm a psychologist or anything, but yeah, you know, I, I would recommend looking internally and figuring out why, you know, what 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 is it that's holding me back from getting to those larger accounts and to kind of take my book to the next level that I would hope I'd be at. Well, that's good. I think that's solid, man, and I appreciate that. Um, and so, uh, talk to me about uh, what uh, what do you got going on in the horizon? Anything you've got going on? Anything you got coming out? Anything that you want to, you know, last things we want to talk about before we wrap up yeah uh man if a couple things one if uh if you're in austin area or texas and um want to get together let me know uh we'd love to meet up with anybody out there um what's the best way to contact you yeah just hit me up a message on linkedin uh my cell phone number and all my emails on linkedin too so you you know you can find it if you if you want it um but yeah if you're looking to collaborate uh would love to help and then um actually just finished a book wrote a book um geared towards business owners and business insurance simplified, basically, Hey man, I'm trying to basically, this book is written for people who have to buy insurance, but who kind of feel lost or frustrated by the process. And they just want to know enough to be dangerous, right? Enough to hold their agent accountable. That's what this book's for. It's not going to, it's not going to get all those insurance nerds excited (laughs) about like in the weeds on policy forms. That's not what it's for. It's meant for someone who doesn't want to read about insurance, but wants to know enough to be like, Hey, I'm confident. Yeah, but if you're an agency or if you're in an agency or you're a producer or a CSR or an agency owner, you can probably pick up that book and learn a few things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had a lot of producers reach out on even on LinkedIn, like, hey, I like that video on how you positioned BORs or why you talked about yeah. how the insurance game works. So all that stuff's going to be in there. Uh, it's going to be fairly short. I'm trying to stick to about right now. It's about 75 to 100 ish pages, I think. Um so I work with an editor. Uh, don't you know, I haven't done some final edits and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it should hopefully by the end of this year, I think we'll try to drop it, you know, maybe October. Um, and uh, it'll be it'll be exciting. It's kind of nervous too, because it's like you're putting stuff yeah. out there now, people are gonna judge you. <laughs> but yeah, hey, but it's all know, good. You, yeah, you're putting yourself out there, man. That's awesome. 
Congrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully it helps. So we will be right. we'll be looking for that, and it's uh, you know something you want to look for. Is that something you're going to be doing uh, Amazon, or they can Google it later, or do you, do you have any idea where you're going to be selling that? Yeah, I think probably just Amazon uh, is how I'll distribute, and then I'll have copies myself that I'll order, and people could you know what I, the plan for me is to give them to people you know that are buying. Yeah. insurance but also but yeah producers want them they can go order them on amazon i'll probably obviously have some information out it once it once it comes out but uh yeah and you yeah see how to spell his name on this podcast but it's m-i-c-a-h <laughs> and that's s-a-l-e-s no s-a-l-a-s a-s that's right yeah yeah so, yeah, i wish it was sales that'd be cool would that be awesome <laughs> that'd be awesome uh, s-a-l-a-s so yeah y'all could be uh looking him up that way try to find his book uh it'd be sweet uh i'm gonna try to order it and once you get that done you know let me know and then maybe we could do a little uh little giveaway on the podcast and give away five or six of your books so uh oh that'd be awesome man i, I love that and turn around and give them away so uh man i, I appreciate you spending time with us um uh, i i appreciate you sharing some knowledge with us and guys you know Feel free seriously to reach out to him uh, and uh, ask him some questions. I think that you can learn a lot from just hitting rewind on this podcast and listen to some of the nuggets he drops. Man, I appreciate you jumping on with me, and uh, I look forward to you know continuing to follow you and learn from you myself, man. Thank you. Hey, man. He appreciate you reaching out. I'm glad we could finally do this. I know we've talked a long, a long time trying to make it happen, yeah. trying to coordinate schedules. So I'm, I'm pumped to be on here and anything I can do to help. Like yeah, you said, is. just holler at me. Definitely, brother. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Heath. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me and Micah today on the podcast. Uh, it means a lot to me that you uh, spent some time with me. Uh, when you had other podcasts to listen to, especially in the insurance industry, that you stopped and chose Insurance Town means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Reach out to Micah uh, and just send him a quick email to say, hey, dude, I enjoyed your conversation with Heath. Um, something to that effect. Let him know that uh, he killed it, man. He did a great job on this show. It's not, he's not one of those guys that's on every podcast or you know does the speaking gigs and all that. He's just a, a warrior out there. He's just out there killing it. And uh, he does a great job. And puts his head down, does his job, but he's always willing to help out and uh, do anything he can for you. So reach out to him. Just let him know you appreciate it. If you have an idea for your own show, go to GetReadySetPodcast.com. That's GetReadySetPodcast.com. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.